This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. If you make a mistake in your office, are you someone that is willing to offer up an honest apology? If you're not, then you may be hurting your career and missing out on an opportunity to be a great leader in your company. That, in part, is the opinion of Art Collins, 1973 Wharton grad, who's on the board of directors of Alcoa, Boeing, Cargill, U.S. Bancorp, where he is the lead director. Art is also the retired chairman and CEO of Medtronic, and now a managing partner at Acorn Advisors, where he occasionally writes about leadership. And Art did so recently, asking that question specifically, and Art joins us on the show right now. My friend, Art, great to have you back. It's good to be back with you, Dan. Thank you. Um, this does seem like it's a fairly easy mindset, but apparently, and we see examples of it, uh, you know, uh, as recently as Wells Fargo and VW, where it's very hard to get honest apologies. Yeah, it, it, it's surprising because I think everyone understands that whether you're a CEO or a leader at, in some capacity, or you know, even the president of the United States, no one is infallible, and everyone occasionally makes a mistake or misspeaks. But surprisingly enough, um, it's I think more of a rare occurrence when leaders own up and say, "Listen, I'm sorry." Uh, and I I think there's plenty of examples over the years in business and in government where a uh, an honest apology has actually enhanced the leader's reputation, and, and quite the contrary if a leader doesn't apologize or apologizes in the wrong way. So do you have too many uh, executives, leaders, whatever it might be, that are still under the, uh, the old mindset of uh, sometimes an apology is showing weakness? Unfortunately, I think that is the case, uh, and it's, it's not uncommon that uh, a leader who does make a mistake will eventually come around to recognizing that an apology is in order, but the longer one waits, uh, the less one is willing to step up and admit a mistake. I think the more damage that is done to the individual and, uh, in many cases, to the organization that leader represents. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, about this. Maybe you have been in this situation. Have you been able to you know, be in a spot where you needed to give an apology? You either did it or you didn't do it. And what was the impact? You're more than welcome to join us with your comments at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you like, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, I know I, I have done this in a couple of situations, Art. I ask you, were you in this situation? Sure, sure. I, I, as I said, every I can't think of a leader who has not at some point in their career uh, made a mistake or uh, misspoken. Uh, it's happened to me. Uh, I found that I was always better off uh, for myself and for the organization and obviously for the person or group of people I was apologizing to is to get that apology out, uh, have it be honest, uh, personal, uh, and uh, and good things come from that. 
You talk uh, in the article that you did uh, about this, uh, about what's happening in Washington, D.C. right now. And and to a degree, maybe it is ramped up even more right now. But seemingly, this is an issue that I think has plagued politics in this country for a long period of time. I think you're right, Dan. And I I think going back to something you mentioned before, uh, unfortunately, um, I think many politicians and, and many leaders in business think that apologizing is in fact showing some sign of weakness or that an apology will uh, get them into uh, water that is much hotter than they they are in at the at the at the time that an apology is needed uh, I think a great example one of the the classics uh, goes back uh, to 1982 when Johnson and Johnson was faced with a real crisis uh, when some yeah. of their Tylenol was was laced with cyanide, and uh, and uh, it was a significant uh, seminal point for then Chairman Jim Burke, who handled it, in my estimation, in a in an absolutely proper way, uh, taking responsibility, owning up, taking the product off the market, and uh, then coming back uh, with a uh, product that was in a tamper-proof. Uh, container, uh, and uh, interesting enough, uh, rather than losing uh, the product forever, uh, after that product had been back out on the market in its in its revised packaging, they actually came back up in market share, and Tylenol continues to be a very important product for. J and J today. You also That's a good example. Yeah, you you also mentioned Mary Barra as well from GM and and what they went through with the ignition switch recall of uh, uh, being an example of a good apology. I think that's right. I, uh, Mary, in my mind, uh, when she personally apologized in 2014 for the defective ignition ignition switches on some of the GM autos, uh, she did it in a very specific way. It was timely. She showed genuine remorse for the resulting injuries and, and any lives lost. Uh, and uh, I think she came out of that in a much better situation. Uh, you contrast that with uh, uh, more recently uh, Uber CEO Travis uh, Kalanick, uh, who uh, yeah. confessed earlier this year after uh, a lot of tremendous uh, negative press that he fundamentally had a change and grow up. Uh, that public apology didn't satisfy his upset customers and ultimately uh, his board of directors, and we all saw what happened there. I, I would guess you you would also throw Martin Shkreli in that, uh, in that boat as well uh, for what he was doing with drug prices. And then on top of that, uh, what he said about the, 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 that woman uh, that made a lot of press a week or so ago. I mean, they're, they're, it, what do you think is really behind that? Because, I mean, to a degree, a lot of people would think that part of this may be kind of a cultural mindset, you know, how you were brought up as a young person. I mean, I think to a degree there's part of that 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 truly is in play here. I think there are a number of factors that that influence an individual's decision to either do it right or do it wrong. Um, I think history, uh, how one grew up, uh, what has uh, shown to be successful in the past, uh, fear of uh, of uh, being ridiculed uh, sometimes enters into it, uh, but I think the the uh, data is fairly clear that that when someone does 
make an appropriate apology, and I, I, I identify in my estimation seven different elements that yep. that really comprise a, an honest apology. Um, I think they get beyond what the issue was, and uh, and they actually improve their self-esteem and the esteem that that others hold them in, and uh, and that's good. Art Collins joining us. Uh, Art, the retired chairman and CEO of Medtronic, now managing partner at Acorn Advisors. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Are you somebody that can offer an honest apology when a mistake is made in the office? 844-942-7866. Going to that list that you mentioned, uh, at the top, personal responsibility. You talk about really not being a spokesperson uh, and, and, but you do get a lot of people that think that they have to try and, I don't know if it's necessarily towing the company line, but maybe it's worrying about the company bottom line more so than really offering the apology forward. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but, uh, even if the individual mistake, uh, wasn't personally made by the leader, I think it's very important that the leader take personal responsibility for what was done. Um, I go back to uh, Jim Burke and how J&J handled that Tylenol recall. Yep. Uh, Jim Burke uh, wasn't personally involved in what happened. In fact, uh, J&J wasn't even involved. It was someone who, who actually got some uh, uh, containers of Tylenol and, and laced them with cyanide. But he took personal responsibility and then personally led the effort uh, that resulted in the recall, and he put customer safety and satisfaction ahead of all other considerations. Uh, and, and so I, I think that, that just not being a spokesperson but saying, I own this and I am going to uh, be here and lead the efforts to make uh, whatever was wrong right is critically important. You also mentioned uh, that, that there's a timeliness to the apology as well. Uh, and, and I think this is also, it's a question that is asked a lot when we're talking about uh, breaches, data breaches out right now, because you have a lot of people that say where that is concerned, well, you've got to have the information out as soon as you possibly can. But a lot of experts in the IT community would say, well, you know, first, let, let's take a, f a few minutes to just really kind of get an understanding of what happened and how it really occurred so we don't have this ha uh, problem happen again. Yeah, I, I think there's a difference between a few minutes and days, yeah. or in some case, weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll give you another example. Uh, uh, back in 1989, when the Exxon, Exxon Valdez had that massive oil spill along the Alaskan coast, yeah. uh, then-CEO Lawrence Rawl was, uh, uh, was, in my estimation, uh, criticized uh, and, deser and deserved criticism. He waited six days to speak. Uh, he'd sent out lower levels to Alaska to deal with the problem. And then he tried to justify the company's actions while declining to take any personal responsibility. Um, and, and, and that obviously snowballed into uh, a very difficult uh, situation for Exxon. Uh, probably uh, another one that um, we've all seen and as a as a a textbook on on what not to do was the uh, uh, when BP uh, CEO 
Tony Hayward uh, was really blasted in the media for showing uh, uh, little compassion and, and being late to the party following the Deepwater Horizon yep. oil spill in 2010. <laughs> that famous line, there's no one who wants this thing to be over more than I do. You know, I'd like my life back. Well, I don't think that made the <laughs> people who were affected by that uh, terrible disaster feel any better. That's funny. I, I literally just brought that specific case up on my computer because I wanted to bring bring it, bring it up to you. And, and I guess the question is, though, with all of these instances that, that we have seen, and obviously there is a, a long history, you would think that we would see more of a change. So the question I have for you is being on boards of directors and having been, you know, CEO of Medtronic, how much is this discussed by the people that are either at the C-suite level or at the board level? Well, I think it gets, <clears throat> I think it gets a lot of discussion when a particular problem arises. What are we going to do? Okay. I think as a general topic, it, it's, it's, it's been my experience that, that this is not a, a topic discussed in abstract. You really need to have uh, a crisis okay. take place to force the decision on how we will communicate, what we will do. And, uh, and I think at that point, uh, hopefully it's one of the significant roles a, uh, a board of directors can play uh, that has a perspective of the long-term health of the institution being paramount to make sure that whether it be the CEO or other individuals within the organization, uh, speak honestly, openly, and in a timely manner. But it is interesting to a degree, and maybe this is you know business sector by business sector. When you think of you know General Motors, uh, obviously with the ignition switch recall, uh, you know as that happened and, and that played out, they did they they suffered an impact, but they didn't suffer any irreparable impact because we've seen how you know how well they have done uh, as the auto industry has come back. VW as a global entity, you know they didn't have a big. Uh, share of the pie here in the United States, they have seen an impact, but ha have they seen the global impact that probably a lot of people figured that they would have? It, it really hasn't happened, and maybe that's just the auto industry. Yeah, uh, I, I was surprised, uh, actually, how Volkswagen, uh, with with the problems that they had when uh, Michael Horn, who was the North American uh, regional head for Volkswagen, and I guess he was the CEO of uh, the North American region. Um, he really struggled to keep his job and then ultimately lost his job when VW was caught for cheating on emission standards and mm -hmm. instead uh, of taking personal responsibility, he shifted the blame to a couple of software engineers who he said acted on, on their own. Um, but it's, uh, I don't think you want to roll the dice on something like that. I think it's, it's too important to the reputation of an institution, uh, corporation, or government. Uh, it's, it's hard over a number of years to build a reputation. Those reputations can be lost fairly quickly. Case in point, and, and I'll, I'll give a, a very quick example, in, uh, not in the business uh, field, but in uh, government, uh, Right after that terrible 1986 Space Shuttle Challenger sure. explosion that killed seven crew members, uh, President Reagan very quickly appointed the Rogers Presidential Commission to get to the bottom of what happened. They left no stone unturned. They came out with root causes and corrective recommendations. 
and got very high marks. Now, you contrast that <clears throat> with what the Soviet Union did in uh, 1986 when uh, the nuclear reaction explosion yeah. uh, really uh, essentially made Chernobyl a radioactive wasteland. They never even reported it. Uh, they never took actions, and in fact, the disaster only came to light when the Swedish government discovered and reported it. When, when the leader of the company or whoever that that person is that you know ends up being responsible for making that apology, uh, you talk about being complete and being thorough. When that person is thorough, what what is the difference in the impact? You think? Well, first of all, I think it's. It's better to get whatever facts, good or bad, out early, because what you never want to get accused of is selective and partial disclosure uh, and ultimately a cover-up. You look at what really gets many individuals and institutions, uh, businesses or governments, in trouble. Many times it's not the act itself but it's the alleged cover-up. Right. And so I think it is. it behooves any leader to, number one, when there is a, uh, a mistake made, and everyone makes mistakes, is to get the facts. And as you indicated earlier, it may take some time to get the facts. Uh, but get, get those facts out to the public in an unvarnished way. But very importantly, then say what you're going to do about it. A, an apology that simply uh, recognizes the problem but, but isn't responsive in terms yeah. of uh, what is the action plan to correct what went wrong and to make sure the same problem doesn't occur again, uh, in my mind, does not uh, result in, a, in an honest and an appropriate apology. Right. You have to have the fix, uh, and you have to have the plan in place in order to be able to correct it, which is part of the reason why I think a lot of people were still you know, frustrated to a degree with VW because you know, there there wasn't truly a fix in place. A lot of, you know, are still saying about the Takata recall. You know, what has truly been the fix of this problem? Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you completely. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, it, it almost, and again, I'm going to go back to something we talked about a second ago, uh, and as you alluded to, it, it's hard to kind of, understand truly the, the 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 issue the problem if you're not involved in a problem to begin with uh is it naive to a degree to think that you know this is something that almost should be inbred in training in companies uh and maybe it is to a degree oh i i, th- I think it should be uh ingrained in um in training many companies go through um uh a planning exercise for disaster and and, uh, how does one respond. And I think part of that response training uh, not only is what are you going to do, but also how will we communicate to our various uh, stakeholders, whether they be uh, individual customers who may have been affected, uh, whether they be... uh, your employees, your shareholders, uh, if it's in a regulated industry, the regulators that have oversight. In fact, anybody who is touched by uh, the the event, uh, I think, has to be considered. So there's an action component uh, to fix what went wrong and 
and make sure it doesn't happen again. And then there was a very important communication component, and many corporations uh, that don't deal with this on a day-to-day basis call in advisors or consultants that uh, can give them counsel on what they should be doing in, in dealing with those various stakeholders. Part of this, as I mentioned at the outset, part of this is also the, the the culture politically, not only here in the United States, but when you think of what we have seen recently go on in Brazil and Venezuela as well, two countries where, and maybe it's the political strategy of the of the particular country, uh, which is uh, you know obviously playing a, a huge role in why you don't get the apology. To a degree, a lot of people here in the United States right now would would probably find it refreshing to get an apology on something from President Trump. And it probably a lot of people are wondering whether he has ever apologized for anything ever before. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I did a little research, and if, uh, if he has, um, I haven't been able to find it. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see what, what happens. Uh, but um, I think whether you're President of the United States, CEO of a corporation, or anyone else that has responsibility for an organization and uh, something goes awry on, on their watch, whether they, they were re- personally responsible or not, uh, to use your words, it's, it's refreshing and it's reassuring that uh, a leader will stand up and say, I made a mistake. Yeah. It's not easy all the time, but it's, yeah. it's very important in my estimation. Art, this is a fantastic piece, and we greatly appreciate your knowledge and uh, giving us your years of experience uh, at the C-suite level and obviously on the board. Uh, And thanks again for taking your time with us today, and we look forward to having you on the show down the road. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Art Collins, uh, this is a gentleman, uh, by the way, folks, I mentioned at the top, uh, Art has an unbelievable wealth of experience uh, on a variety of different uh, levels, and uh, it's a pleasure to have him on. As I mentioned, uh, retired chairman uh, and CEO of Medtronic, now managing partner at uh, Acorn Advisors. Uh, He's on the boards of uh, Alcoa, Boeing, Cargill, U.S. Bank Corp., uh, a lot of... uh, knowledge and understanding that uh, Art brings to the table, and uh, he is a great resource for us here on the show. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.